What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. But it's the process. If we stay in the process and we keep preaching the process, and what is the process? Define it. It's breathing. It's your routine. It's knowing that as a pitching coach working with pitchers, once that ball leaves my hand, I've done everything possible for me to be successful. And if I'm not, then I have no regrets in it. And it's on to the very next pitch. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, your Peak Performance Coach here with the Peak Performance Podcast. And you can't talk about success or building a championship culture in college softball without talking about Coach Lonnie Almeida and the Florida State softball program. Coach Almeida is the head coach at Florida State, also the head coach of the National Pro Fast Pitch U-Triple-S-A Pride. She was named ACC Coach of the Year in 2013, 14, 15, and 16, leading the Knolls to the conference championship and to the Women's College World Series in 2014 and 2016. In 2014, she coached National Player of the Year Lacey Waldrup, and in 2016, she earned her 500th win as a coach. There are so many more accolades on Coach Alameda's impressive resume. But what's even more impressive is her passion for being a teacher, an ambassador to the game of softball, and how she selflessly dedicates her time, energy, and passion into growing players and coaches as part of her mission to leave the game better than she found it. In this podcast, she lifts the lid on the inner workings of Florida State softball and gives you insight into their championship culture of FSAC, how they build a mindset and mental toughness, how they use measurement of the process to get more results and on creating one of the most special programs in all of collegiate athletics. For more on Lonnie, please follow her on Twitter at Coach underscore Almeida. That's at Coach underscore A-L-A-M-E-D-A as well as at U-Triple-S-A Pride and at FSU underscore Softball. Are you looking for a high-energy, competitive way to get your team to compete while training athleticism, hand-eye coordination, and lateral quickness? If so, you got to check out Spikeball. Top high school, college, and professional athletes around the world are using Spikeball as a fun and safe competition to start their training sessions, practices, and workouts. It's also a tremendous way to train your routines and releases and build that elite mindset. As a listener to the Peak Performance Podcast, Podcast, you can get a free spike ball set by visiting briancane.com slash spike ball. Again, that's briancane.com slash spike ball because if you're not playing spike ball, you're just playing games. If your body could talk, what would it tell you? Know your body, transform your life. That's the motto of DexaFit, the best in helping you know your numbers. DexaFit shows you exactly how your body composition, cardiovascular fitness, and metabolic health compares to the optimal standard. We know that measurement equals motivation, and DexaFit measures your progress while providing the diet and fitness plan customized for your body. 
DexaFit is providing a tremendous opportunity for listeners of the Peak Performance Podcast to get their first scan at a discounted rate. Go to briancane.com slash DexaFit. That's briancane.com slash D-E-X-A-F-I-T right now to learn more. Please welcome to the Peak Performance Podcast, Florida State head softball coach, Lonnie Almeida. Lonnie, thank you for joining us here. Oh, Kaner, thanks for having me. Such a huge success to our program as you, so I really appreciate to be here, and, and I'm just excited to share a little bit about our program. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you. If you could, could you kind of catch our listeners? They're going to be predominantly coaches and athletes, and could you kind of get them caught up on speed on kind of from where you got started into the game of softball and then your, your journey into how you got to the head softball coach at Florida State? Yeah, well, we're going to talk about many moons ago, right? We're going to go through this whole story, but, um, you know, I, I I think after looking back at it, I guess kind of coaching was in my blood a little bit. Um, you know, back in our day, you know, we had to have jobs, and so in order to fit, pay for my pitching lessons, I actually worked at the Pitching and Hitting Academy that I was at in Sacramento, so um, already I was kind of into um, being a part of teaching the game, and um when I got to the University of Oklahoma, um, I gave lessons and I worked clinics and I did camps for USA softball and all that stuff being privy, you know, cause we're 30 minutes from the hall of fame stadium. So it was pretty awesome and just really got into teaching and just completely enjoyed it. And so, um, from playing at Oklahoma and making some contacts there with camps and clinics, went down to Barry university, uh, met Lisa novice, uh, had an opportunity to work on my master's down there and, um, you know, kind of change the culture a little bit down there, not knowing, you know, <laughs> really what we were doing, but, uh, having fun, um, you know, being pretty much a uh, big energy out there every time we went out there. And, um, I actually was able to meet Harvey Dorfman while I was down there and spend some time with Harvey and, um, which, you know, I think, uh, it's crazy in my circles as I look back on it now, how awesome sports psychology has been to my growing up. And so spending some time with him and that program and, you know, being with Lisa and then, uh, the Stanford job opened up and never really kind of thought about coaching until the Stanford job. Barry was getting my master's. So it was a GA position. Um, you know, wanted to get some schooling done, see what the world had to offer, wanted to go into sports broadcasting. And when the Stanford job opened up, uh, it's just close to home, two hours from home. Who doesn't love the beautiful Stanford campus? I mean, you know, what an opportunity, right? So, Went out there, and um, nine seasons later, you know, um, we ended up taking that team to the World Series and being the first ever, you know, coaching staff there to, to win a regional championship to go to the World Series. So all kinds of cool stuff that Coach Rittman and I did there. And, um, and of course, from accolades like that, you get the opportunity to go off and be your own head coach. And um, did that for five years at UNLV. Uh, really had some awesome experiences at UNLV. Uh, really grew as a young coach at UNLV, really learned um, recruiting. But, you know, I mean, obviously Vegas brings a different different challenge. You know, it, it's Vegas. Everyone thinks what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And we didn't want that in the softball field. We wanted everyone to know what we were doing in Vegas, you know. So it was a little bit different challenge. And so we're trying to change the culture a little bit there. Did so, really enjoyed it. And uh, because of that, uh, you know, got the opportunity to come here to Florida State and absolutely loved it. And now I'm going into my ninth season here at Florida State. And, um, you know, I think the one thing that, uh, I always remind myself is never forget where I came from, you know, and then that came from a fun, fundamental part of softball, learning the game, sharing the game and, and loving people who are a part of it. So, 
um, that's kind of my journey through coaching and, and my opportunities. Um, you know, throughout there, I got some chances to coach with Canada, um, was in Beijing. Um, now the opportunity to coach in the pro league, which has been amazing. Uh, and just honestly pushing myself every day to be a better coach for the student athletes. You know, Lonnie, you mentioned earlier Harvey Dorfman, and we had Raul Obanez on the podcast earlier, and he had mentioned that Harvey was somebody who was instrumental in getting him going into the mental game. What are some of the things that, you know, you remember from Harvey, who unfortunately is no longer with us, that kind of were like some staples in the mental game that, that stuck with you from an early age, even till now, that you use in your coaching career? Yeah, well, I think the thing with Harvey is, you know, and, and I got him a little bit later um, with the Marlins organization when I was down there, but... Uh, he was just so, it's just the little things. He always talked about just the little things. And, you know, so we would sit in the dugout and, um, you know, he just, he would just chat with players. It was just so simple. And he really simplified things for them when the game got so big. And that's really what it is. It's just, it's simplifying all the little things that we're doing that show up in big moments, but it's still playing catch. It's still the mindset, you know, it's put a good swing on a pitch, but, you know, it's clearing all the you know, the shit that's in your brain <laughs> that you're trying to get out of there that, you know, the, the negatives that, that, and he just, he'd keep it simple. And, you know, he just cross his leg and sit on that bench and just, you know, talk like you're just having a, a coffee and just chit chatting yet. We're at a ball field and we're just talking the game. And that was, that was probably the one thing I remember. It was just so relaxed, so simple. Let's have a conversation about the game and then let's go out and just play the game, play catch, swing the bat and play the game. Awesome. Harvey had hu huge impact in my life, as well as many others who, who are into the mental game. And, you know, Lonnie, you, you, you go from UNLV, or you go from Stanford to UNLV, build that program up, go from UNLV to Florida State. Talk about kind of what you know now, having done that in two programs, that if you were to give advice to a younger coach who's going in to take over a new program, what's kind of the first step or the first things that that coach should do when taking over that program? Yeah, I, I think um, I think there's a lot of necessary steps in creating a culture, but I think the very first thing starts with uh, you have to be comfortable who you are. There's a style of coach and a person that you are, and you can't be anybody different. You can't be the number one coach in the country at the time. You can't be, you know, you're not going to be John Wooden. You're not going to be, you can take things from those people, but you're not going to be them. And I think that was one of the biggest things that I had to learn as a coach. And, uh, you know, I, I think being a, a female, and if anybody knows me, I, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm very family oriented. Everyone come on in, everyone be a part of it. And with that, you get a lot of judgment. Everyone likes to judge, but you know, and so they tell me all the time, you need to be meaner. You need to do this. You need to do that. And, um, and then over time I was like, you know, I can't, I was miserable trying to be somebody else. And I truly had to figure out who I was. And once I was comfortable with who I was coaching and how my style of coaching was, then the players could be comfortable around me. Then the messages are always pretty clear. And so kids are going to see right through you. People will see right through you if you're trying to be something that you're not. So I think that was the number one thing for me, you know, was was to make sure that I was very comfortable in my coaching style is who I was. I'm not a yell and screamer. Um, you know, I have standards, you know, and I have pretty high standards of how we want to do things, but I will be right there with you, you know, when we're going through it. And, you know, and, and people used to make fun of me. Like I'm taking the luggage out in the bottom of the bus with everyone else. Like I don't make the freshmen do it. Like if I'm going to ask someone to do it, you know, it's our program. I'm going to do it with you. And you know, people all the time are like, that's so the head coach is taking stuff out. I'm like, well, that's, that's just the way I am. And that's okay. And so, uh, so I think that that'd be the number one thing. Um, and then two, you know, is really to get some, some core values of the program. And that took me a while. And Kaner was a, definitely a big part of me doing that, you know, and trying to figure that out. But 
you really have to self-reflect again. Who am I as a coach? How do I want to run the program? Um, and then what are my core values as a coach? But what are the core values of the team too? And, and if the team's core values and my core values are pretty much on the same parallel, then we're doing some pretty good things. And if they're not and we're not, then I'm not communicating very well to what this program is going to be because it's going to start from the bottom to the top or top to the bottom. So I think the core values is a big one. I think that uh, every player that's left Florida State, and I could even think at UNLV, we didn't really say core values, but I, you know, we definitely family. It was family, and I know that I could call all those kids, and family would have been a part of their their comments, you know, about UNLV when we were there. You know, Lonnie, when we talk about kind of that pillar number two MVP process, the mission, vision, and the core principles or the core values of your program at Florida State, you use the acronym. FSACC. Could you talk a little bit about FSACC and what it means and how you use that in your program? Yeah, you know, I think that um, when we came down with stuff, family is a, is a big thing. That's me. That's this program. Um, there's not a wander around this facility. Everyone's and you know gets a hug and gets to come be a part of us. You see that everywhere here. So we embrace everyone. Uh, I think the big thing for me with team and family was um, my vision of family. Kaner's vision of family, my second baseman's vision of family is all going to be different. Everyone grows up different. But when you come to Florida State softball, there's going to be a family atmosphere because we're going to be welcoming. We're not judgmental. We're going to work our tails off. We had to define family. So it's one thing to throw family out there. And I know a lot of people do it. But as soon as you do that, it's like throwing, you know, will this taste sweet? Well, what is sweet to me? What is sweet to you? What is sweet to someone else? Like we have to define sweet if we really want to know what that is. And so um, so we go over family and, and we talk about, and honestly, the biggest times we talk about it is when we're struggling, when we're struggling or something's happening, then we bring up, okay, this is our core value and this is our standard. So there's no judgment right now. Someone made a mistake. They didn't go to class or they bumped a test or I don't know what the case may be, but you know, we've all been there. We've struggled. We're family. We're going to be there for each other. You fight with your brothers and sisters all the time. We're going to fight. That's fine. Like, you know, so I think that was the very first one because then that just shows your standards right off the get go. Um, smart. Um, we pride ourselves in um, making sure that when we go out in that ball field, that we've covered everything possible that the game's going to present to us. So that's my job. But uh, I want every player here to be able to leave this program and teach a 10 year old team, a college team, an international team. They're going to be educated on the game, they're going to be smart players. And uh, if we become students of the game and we continue to learn the game, the game is always challenging to us. It's always going to be fun at different levels. So, um, so smart, you know, we, we have a standards board in the back of our classroom. Um, we understand Florida State softball. We know what we, we are good at, and that's what we try to attain all the time. We're competing against someone in the other dugout, but in essence, in essence we're competing against ourselves because we have some standards that we want to achieve. 70% first pitch strikes, um, no back-to-backs, um, quality at-bats, um, three extra base hits a game. Like those are Florida state standards that, that we hold to. So you have to be a smart softball player to understand where you fit in that and, and how you bring that to your team. Um, hand in hand with aggressive. So F S A C C aggressive. Um, we run the bases, uh, you know, it goes twofold. We want to be aggressive off the field too. You know, we want to take advantage of community service opportunities. We want to take advantage of being in the front row of our classroom and answering questions. We, you know, and, and I think that goes back to, my mission is trying to make every opportunity, make available every opportunity to players here to leave Florida State and have taken advantage of everything. And if you take advantage of stuff, you're going to give yourself a really good resume for life. 
And so, you know, that, that's kind of my mission for these kids. And, but if they're not aggressive in raising their hand or they're not aggressive in doing things off the field, they're not going to get those opportunities. And the same goes on the field, you know, be aggressive, make, make a mistake a hundred percent, give us all you have, you know, and, and running bases and that kind of stuff. Um, competitive. I mean, I think that goes without being said <laughs> sometimes, like everyone's competitive at certain levels, but with being competitive comes failure. With being competitive comes putting things on the line. So again, we have to define competitive. Um, we have to push competitive. I'll get in the bullpen with the pitchers and I'll try to piss them off the best I can because I know they're going to get competitive. But sometimes there comes that line where we're over competitive and we're not being respectful of the game and competing the game and being respecting the game at, at competition points. So competitive is huge. And it's it's a blood boiling point that we really try to, to push a lot because we want to we want to honor the game and play it right and compete at a, a good high level, and then I think the thing that sums it all up is being committed. So, if you're if you're living these core values daily on and off the field, and the big big part of it is as a coach, we can really get a lot out in the field of these core values. But what are they doing in the locker room? What are they doing on a Saturday night? They're going to pizza as a team. They're hanging out. Are you still committed to the core values that we have set forward for Florida State softball? And when your players are talking that lingo, your job is essentially really done because now they're drinking the Kool-Aid, essentially, and they're proud of it. And alumni are proud of it. And people call back and they, they talk about the core values and they and we live the core values. And don't get me wrong, it's not an everyday thing. You know, sometimes we have to bring it back up and be like, hey, is this a standard that we like to hold? You know, like uh, the other day in warmups, we're out there and some people are dogging it. And I, I have everything on video. I video everything. Bring them up here. Is this, is this a committed team right now? You know, are you guys doing a good job of it? So at least it's a, it's a line in the sand that we're either crossing or we're not, and we can always bring them back to it. So that's why I think the core values are huge to us. Um, and as a coach, if you want to be successful, that's your barometer to know that you are consistently doing what you from the top want all the way through from your managers to your trainers, you're living it daily. And so, um, it's been a difference maker for us. And, and Kaner, you, you've been a huge part of that and really appreciate that. Well, Lonnie, you know, one of the things you mentioned too is, as well is kind of the, you know, you mentioned pillar number two, right? The, the championship culture, and then talked a lot about pillar four, knowing your numbers and measurements, motivation, and talked about the process based kind of measurements that you have from 70, 70% first pitch strikes and quality at bats. Could you talk a little bit more about the importance of measuring the process in terms of helping your team understand how the process leads to success? Yeah. Um, big, big process people. Um, and you know, I'm going to kind of keep saying this and people are listening to get over this, but like, you have to live it, you have to live it. And the hardest time living it is in the three, two count in the dugout when the bases are loaded. Like, like if the kids are always looking at you as a coach and how you respond um, to those scenarios. So yes, are we going to fail a lot of those times? Yes, we are, but we're also going to succeed, but it's the process. If we stay in the process and we keep preaching the process and what is the process Define it? It's breathing. It's your routine. It's knowing that as a pitching coach, working with pitchers, once that ball leaves my hand, I've done everything possible for me to be successful. And if I'm not, then I have no regrets in it. And it's on to the very next pitch. And we work on that in the bullpen. We talk about it all the time. Like you have to talk process in every scenario. So when I can go out there in the circle in a big moment and we can take a breath together and kind of laugh at each other or do whatever we need to do to get them going, that is part of the process. Next pitch right here. Everyone focus on this and, and you know, let it go. It's the outcome is out of your control. It is completely out of your control. What happens? 
Um, but we can be focused right here as one unit. Um, you know, nine versus one, that's been a big one for us. You know, we're talking that, but, but, you know, I think that's big. It goes with hitting, stepping out of the box, refocusing, you know, getting your mind right, you know, working the process of just having quality at bats, but because of one pitch at a time, really working one pitch at a time. But, you know, those are all things that you talk about. You want to say family, live family. You want to say process, live process. I mean, you truly have to do that. And, I think what also when you're building up to process, um, we have a one more board down in our cages and on that board um, is every player's name. It's like a lineup card with every player's name and they write what their one more is. And through the journey of you figuring out what kind of softball player are, there's certain things that you're going to have to get better at. So whether it's focusing your curveball, um, hitting the outside pitch, bunt, stealing bases, whatever it is you would write that on the board and that's an accountability board essentially for your teammates to see. Cause you're actually writing it in front of everybody. It's open. The doors are open all the time. So this one more board, this is the one more when I go out today and you know, I'm doing one more of these because I'm going to get better at it. And I'm going to work on this process of being a better curveball pitcher, focusing person, whatever, whatever your, your one more is and your team can hold you accountable to that. So, but now you, you've realized how to work the process to be better at that. Boom, check it off. I'm good at it. Now I'm going to work at something else in my game. I can't get 10 things in one day. It's not going to happen, but I can get one more thing better for my team and for me. And then I can continue to work to build myself better. As I do that, it's process oriented. Your coaches are in on it. Now your teammates are in on it. Now your teammates can come in and say, Hey, take a good breath, you know, work through this pitch. This is the curveball we've been talking about right here. And it becomes very present. And, and that's, it's just so huge to the culture of what you want to do. So I think when you got your standards board in the classroom, when we evaluate our game, which you have to come back and value, we play Florida, we play Auburn, we play family. It doesn't matter. Somebody else, we come back, we evaluate our game, all the standards, check, 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 pretty darn good. Okay. W is the end result, but it was the process. But when you go down and look at the one more board, it's about the individuals getting better for the team so they can create a better standards board for the team. So it, it all works hand in hand for us, you know, and, and it's something that we as a coaching staff and players continue to talk about and preach about. If your body could talk, what would it tell you? Know your body, transform your life. That's the motto of DexaFit, the best in helping you know your numbers. DexaFit shows you exactly how your body composition, cardiovascular fitness, and metabolic health compares to the optimal standard. We know that measurement equals motivation, and DexaFit measures your progress while providing the diet and fitness plan customized for your body. DexaFit is providing a tremendous opportunity for listeners of the Peak Performance Podcast to get their first scan at a discounted rate. Go to briancane.com slash DexaFit. That's briancane.com slash D-E-X-A-F-I-T right now to learn more. Lonnie, what's you said? So when you come back to that process board, you come back and break it down. Is it once a week? Is it after every game? I mean, just in college softball, you're playing three to four games on a weekend. Sometimes you're playing during the week. What's your routine for coming back and breaking that down? Yeah, and this is you know the commitment part of it. You know, that's as a coach, you really have to make sure you plan this out. But um, we do not do it every single game, uh, and it's kind of funny. Our soccer program, which is uh, our neighbors to us. Um, they're, they're a pretty good program and uh, they won championship in 2014 and, you know, always right there. They have the exact same standards board. And, uh, you know, I, sometimes I check myself because I walk and see their standards and they have red all over the board and they're like number one in the country, you know, so their standards are pretty darn high, but that, you know, it's, it kind of works for them, but we check off usually on Monday, 
um, or Tuesday. So depending on, we played Wednesday, off Thursday, play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come back Monday, usually it's an off day, um, uh, you know, and then Tuesday. So either Monday or Tuesday, depending on the off day or practice day is early in the week, we evaluate ourselves. Because, you know, softball is you play so many games. So it's you can't do it every single time. It become it would become monotonous and, you know. But we're down there in the dugout during the game with the quality at bats, the quabs, the quality at bats. Coach Wilson has that down there. He's checking them off. He's talking to them about it. It's a process. It's during the game. The players come up before, you know, so you're in the, in the batter's box, on deck circle, at the stairwell. When they're at the stairwell, they're talking to Coach Wilson Ooh, that last at-bat, that really sucked, da, 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 whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't too good of a quality at-bat. I would look for this pitch in this situation. I would do they get a plan. You know what I mean? So really our standards board is kind of rolling into during the game, which is the biggest part of it, you know. And, and you'll hear the players talk about it, you know, like the multiple base hits and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But we do check in once a week, and we just keep up with it. And then we go in there, and we're like, all right, you guys, this week we're getting ready for practice, and we have these people and these people – um, how are we doing right now? How's Florida State softball doing right now? Let, let's turn around and check. Like, um, you know, hitting lifts outstanding. Pitching, we probably need to pick it up a little bit. We're, we're definitely we're lacking in our first pitch strikes. You know, our hitters are getting it out, out of us right now, getting us out of jams. Awesome. You know, pitchers, we could work a little bit more. So now the whole team's like, all right, you get out their first pitch. Like, go get it. Come on, Kinger. Go get it, JB. Because, you know, it's brought to their attention, which is, which is huge. That's awesome, right? And awareness is the first step to making any performance change, right? And I think what's, well, that's what the numbers do is help increase awareness. And one of the things that you guys do, and I'll, I'll say better than any college baseball and better than any college softball team, you set the standard for the use of video. It's unbelievable. It's, it, it's almost, um, you know, to the level of what you see with college football, and those guys live in video, right? So could you talk a little bit, Lonnie, about the importance of video and kind of how you use video in your program as a teaching tool? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm I'm such a big learner. I want to learn the game. I want to learn every aspect of the game. And, you know, I, I definitely know at some point in my, call it my career coaching, you know, the game's going to get by me and I'm going to have to move on. But until then, you know, I'm going to make sure I get every every ounce on to learn. And so I'm in here every night, definitely breaking down practice video, game video, scrimmage video, um, opponents videos. You know, I'm, I'm going to try to get every little ounce I can about making myself better, which in the end is going to make the team better. So, um, you know, it's not a lot. We, we don't have a huge million dollar system. We have an iPad that's on top of our, our dugout here. And uh, our manager just iPads practice. So if I'm in the bullpen, which a lot of coaches ask me, how are you the head coach and the pitching coach? You know, well, I have two amazing assistant coaches and, and a team that kind of runs themselves a little bit right now. But I have a camera <laughs> that's getting everything. So at the end of practice, I can come up here and watch what's going on and see like, oh, you know, our cuts and relays on the field while I was in the bullpen wasn't so sharp. We need to do that again tomorrow. You know, or I really need to talk to our middle infielders, you know, whatever it might be, you know, but that's, that's a one tool right there. It's just, you know, you're another coach, um, you know, in the sky kind of thing, an eye in the sky. Number two is, are your players really working the process, you know, that you talked about? So when you go out there and scrimmage and you put them a lot of scrimmage situations in practice, um, they get done with icing. They run right up here, right after practice. We spend five minutes and I can just pull up Callie Herod at shortstop and we can talk to her. And then she's visually seeing what she's really been trying to work on. So it's affirmation right away. Like, dang it, I got that right. I knew I got that right. Or, ooh, I thought I was in line and I wasn't in line. Or when it comes down to pitchers, I think it's huge for pitchers. 
let's look at the strike zone. You're out there complaining about him not calling a ball or strike. Tell me, was it a ball or strike? And if they think that they threw a strike and it was off the plate, now they've got instant feedback that, okay, it wasn't what I thought it was. So now I can get better at knowing what my strike zone is or, you know, whatever it might be. But you're just what you think sometimes is going on in a game and then you actually get confirmation of it. Now you become more confident in what you're doing and that we preach all the time, believe confidence, you know, all those kind of, you know, good words of that as a coach, you want to throw out there, but how is a kid going to be confident? You can't just say, Oh, confident dust. Like here it is. I'm going to go be confident. It just doesn't happen. So you got to figure out ways to measure it. And, you know, a lot of these kids are visual learners, you know, that's kind of how they grow up. So now they can come up here and they can see it. They can start to see it in action. They get a plan for it. And now they're like, oh, I don't know how many times in practice a play will happen. And my shortstop or third base will be like, we just watched that last night, you know? So right away they're intrigued in it. So, yeah. So I think it's easy. It's an iPad, you know, it's a, it's a camera in center field. You get instant feedback and you just got to take the time to do it every day. It takes 45 minutes every day to do it. If you wait by the end of the week, it's three hours. You won't do it. It's too overwhelming. So it's just one of those commitment things that you have to stick with. Speaking of sticking with the commitment, you also use a classroom to teach a lot of your leadership and kind of character and mental game program as well. Could you talk a little bit about the importance of using a classroom and some of the things that you do to help build that leadership character and mindset? Yeah, so there's a, a couple of things that I've always been a proponent of. And, you know, again, we were coaching at a school of higher education, right? So we all want to win. We want to be the best in our sport. But, you know, our job is to make sure that we get them ready to take on the world and their resume rocks and they're ready to go. And so, um, you know, I, I have a thing that, that we do at the gate we did it at UNLV too um, when I was there. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it's just at UNLV, we used to have a calendar on the gate. You'd kind of mark it off. If you were the captain of that day, you'd scratch off the, the practice after we were done because you just don't get it back. You just don't get that day back. So even if it was a bad day, which is fine, bad days are part of building who we are and you just got to, you know, address it or good day, or whatever it is, but you've got to realize that, that's one more off for whatever team that is. You know, this is team 34 at Florida State. There's only going to be one team 34. So, you know, let's use our days wisely. And, you know, so I think that, you know, we go to the gate, give your all to the team every day. That's what the gate stands for for us. And, and we meet at the gate at the beginning of practice. And it essentially is leave that craziness, the math test, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the whatever just happened. Jump on the field. You're with 23 players. Give your all. And if your all is 80% of your all, give me your 80% of your 100% right now like check in, engage, and, and kind of work from there. So with that, if we're, if we're going to try to get the most out of every player, coach, manager, whatever it is, we do certain things where they have to speak up. So sometimes your freshmen don't like to speak up, you know, but you're going to need them in big moments in games and be confident with, you know, who they are, which I kind of go back to that. But so they'll have challenges at the gate. Maybe they have to lead um, some sort of fun um, I don't know, Rochambeau, rock, paper, scissors tournament, or, you know, just something. We just try to get them comfortable speaking in front of people. And the same thing goes in the classroom. So essentially the classroom is just a little longer version of the gate to me. Um, this year we did Wednesday Warriors. Uh, so uh, we set up different books. Kaner set up different books for us when we came in. And, and we talked about, you know, different ideas of kind of what encompasses us. So from leadership skills to accountability to legacy, um, different things. But we gave two or three players kind of the ability to stand up in the classroom and sing some songs and, you know, do some activities and, and just get outside of their comfort zone. But yet we're still talking about the game because the game is having accountability. The game is having leadership. The game is all those things and it's catching and throwing. So, 
But now I'm in front of my teammates. My coaches aren't leading it. My sports psychologist isn't leading it. My The players are leading it. They're leading their own team through an event. And so, you know, this, this gets them comfortable public speaking. It gets them comfortable with saying what they want to say about their teammates, which is huge, you know, and um, so I think it's a great opportunity. So, you know, and I think a lot of them you'll see when you put them more into it, you don't really see it their freshman year really come out, but by the middle of their sophomore season and to juniors and seniors, they're speaking up. We've created leadership within the program. They're comfortable speaking in front of their players, their teammates and their coaches. You want them comfortable speaking in front of you and we want them to walk through the door and ask about playing time and ask about things. So you can have a legit conversation, just like you'd want your player to leave here, graduate, walk into the CEO's office and ask about a pay raise or a job opportunity or whatever it might be. So I think those things go hand in hand. And, and that's something that we do every single day at the start of practice. It takes five minutes and uh, it's shown, you know, really good proof for us in the leadership role. You know, Lonnie, you've mentioned a lot of things in this podcast about kind of teaching life through the game. You've talked a lot about the mental game. And one of the things that you've done in your program, which I've been fascinated with, and it's really how we met, is you have a camp, uh, you know, like every coach has a camp at their program, but your camp has a little bit of a different feel to a lot of a different feel to it. And I think it has a different maybe purpose than what a lot of coaches do when they have camps. Could you talk a little bit about your camp structure at Florida State and why you kind of went down that path and some of the benefits that, that come from that. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, the one thing that, you know, hits every coach is that, you know, you want to come in, you get the opportunity to come in as a coach and coach at amazing universities and high schools and programs, and you want to leave it better for the next person to come along. So how do you do that? How can you do that? How, how can you give back to the game and, and create something a little bit better? And, um, so I guess, you know, maybe originally selfishly at Stanford, when I was at Stanford, um, I was like, how can I get really cool people that I want to learn from to share the game? Because it's one thing to sit down and talk over dinner. It's another to actually get out and troubleshoot with a 10 year old, a 12 year old, a 15 year old. So we can talk how you do things, but let me see how you do things. Let, let's go out and let's work some hitting, let's work some outfield stuff and let me see you teach and let me be around it. So now all of a sudden I'm seeing you troubleshoot on hand right now and we could talk there and I, I think that was invaluable for me as a coach so Stanford I'm inviting seven eight coaches that I want to learn from I want to be around and I want to be around them for two or three days and how can you pay for that how can you do that well you run a camp so now kids are coming to camp hey come to camp I got these really cool people really cool coaches that give to the game so now you're paying money to come to camp now all of a sudden I can pay these people to come here it's a win-win camp doesn't make money but we in completely rich off of knowledge, which is what it's all about. So people started to like it and the camp grew. And then all of a sudden, you know, now to this point here, which we've done it for a gazillion years, but you get coaches coming here because they want to learn from the coaches here. And it's become a teaching camp. And, um, you know, it, it sadly, we have to kind of turn people away sometimes because we just don't, it's literally like, I, I want to say like a six to six coaches to one camper ratio. Like it, it's bananas how many coaches are here, but it's awesome because you get two coaches off to the side talking about pitching curveballs while two coaches are working with kids and, and then it kind of changes and they, and the amount of knowledge in an eight hour day that, that's shared here is, it's been so awesome. And, you know, and it's not just me, you know, it, it takes a village. We always talk about that. It's just getting good people around good people and just sharing the game. And so this is morphed into uh, an umpire training camp. So you get 20 umpires here that want to get better. And so now it's the same thing. The umpires are doing the same thing here for three days. 
Um, it's a coaches camp. So it's high school coaches come in. Um, it's become a lot of GAs and assistant, young assistant coaches driving down, coming in just to be around some of the older coaches so they can learn and just see them. So they're not even a part of camp. They're just sitting in the cages listening to how someone teaches hitting or, you know, and so, you know, again, I think if, if you feel the responsibility, which I do daily to continue to make this game better, turn every rock over possible to learn how to teach and continue to challenge myself. And I, I think that's another big thing is bring great pitching coaches in here to come and work with the campers and even our players. I love our players to be around and listen because I'm not trying to tell them one way to do things. There's a million ways to do things. So have them come in here, have them talk to the campers, our players. And then, you know, and then like, Oh, why do you do this? How do you do this? Talk to me about this because now that player is becoming better. And now I'm becoming better because now I'm like, Oh, I should have thought about it that way. Or, you know, I am right. I am doing things right. So it kind of gives you confirmation as a coach and, you know, I, I think that's big. And, you know, again, are you vulnerable? Yes, you're going to be vulnerable. You're bringing people in your program. You know, you're kind of rolling back the curtain. You're saying, here it is. Tell me what my team and my program look like. But if you're pouring all your heart into it, what a better way to realize, you know, if you're doing things, you know, the right way or if there's better ways you can do things. And, you know, a lot of people nowadays kind of close the doors and they don't want people involved. But how are we going to get the game better? How are you going to get your players better? if we don't open it up and, and really try to, to learn and make ourselves better. So that's where that camp's come from. It is such a cool atmosphere, um, you know, and, and Kaner, you're part of it. You've been there. I mean, you're working nine to nine, you know, and then having a little dinner, passing out and getting back out here the next day and getting after it. But the energy level is it's just intense and awesome. And it's just really been fun to watch it grow. And for any softball coaches out there that want to learn from the game and want to be around the best, they've got to come to that Florida State softball camp and, and be around uh, the best coaches in the country. It's, it's an honor to be a part of that. Lonnie, it's been an honor to have you on this podcast. My last question for you, what is it that you know now you wish you knew when you were just getting started? If you could go back and grab the young Lonnie coach or the younger Lonnie coach, I should say, and say to her, hey, you got to know this, what would you say to that younger version of yourself? Yeah, that's a tough one, you know, because I think a lot of people say, would you do things over again? Would you, you know, and I wouldn't, like, I loved my journey. I loved, um, you know, there were some things I did that were stupid. And, you know, I remember losing it one time at UNLV and, you know, I was just so mad, but, you know, cause people told me I had to be meaner and, you know, and then I look back, I'm like, that was so embarrassing and so stupid, but I had to do that to realize that I, I could be who I was. So I would not do anything differently. Um, I've loved every opportunity I've gotten. I, I think that the one thing that I always tell our players, take advantage of every opportunity. Payment doesn't mean a whole lot. Like I, I drove to camps and, and paid my own way to be a part of things because I wanted to learn. And I just, I tell kids nowadays, cause you know, I think that there's definitely that, what are they going to pay me? What are they going to pay me? I mean, later in life, the knowledge and the connections and the learning is much bigger in pay than actual cash in your pocket. Granted, some people need cash in their pocket. I get that. But, you know, like, I just I just really am I'm grateful that my parents have always instilled that in me is just, you know, go learn, go, go, you know, entrench yourself into everything and try to figure out what's best for you. And so um, so I know that might be a weird answer, but I would do the exact same path I've done already. And I, I'm so grateful for it and just love where I'm at and love what I do. 
Lonnie, and that comes across in the podcast, and, and it was unbelievable. So thank you so much for being a part of this, and thank you for the opportunity. Um, for people that want to contact you or learn more about what you've got going on, we mentioned your Twitter handle earlier, uh, at Coach underscore Almeida, A-L-A-M-E-D-A. Is there a website or anywhere else that people could contact you should they want to come learn more or learn more about the DVDs that you have out there or come down to one of your camps? Yeah, I just – Email's the best for me, so it's a Alameda, so it's A-A-L-A-M-E-D-A at FSU.edu. That's the best way, really, for business-wise, you know, just get in touch with me. And, yeah, welcome to anything, and I'll share anything I have with you. Awesome. Lonnie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Kaner. You're the best. Thank you. Do you want more? Do you want the 20% that will get you 80% of the results? That's what I do for you when you join the Inner Circle. I cut through the clutter and give you the exact resources, techniques, and strategies that are going to help you become more. This is an exclusive group and is not for everyone. When you join the inner circle, you will immediately be surrounded by some of the best coaches in the country. Visit briancane.com slash inner circle to learn more and join today. Thanks for listening to the Peak Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a positive review or share a link to this episode on social media using hashtag PeakPod. Mention Brian Kane and one thing you learned in this episode for your chance to win a free ticket to the next Brian Kane Experience live event. Dominate the day.